Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. The Song of Hiawatha by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Part 5 Hiawatha's Fasting You shall hear how Hiawatha prayed and fasted in the forest, not for greater skill in hunting, not for greater craft in fishing, not for triumphs in the battle and renown among the warriors, but for profit of the people, for advantage of the nations. First he built a lodge for fasting, built a wigwam in the forest, by the shining big sea water, in the blithe and pleasant springtime. In the moon of leaves he built it, and, with dreams and visions many, seven whole days and nights he fasted. On the first day of his fasting, through the leafy woods he wandered, saw the deer start from the thicket, saw the rabbit in his burrow, heard the pheasant, Benna, drumming, heard the squirrel, Ajidomo, rattling in his hoard of acorns, saw the pigeon, the omeme, building nests among the pine trees, and in flocks the wild goose, Wawa, flying to the fenlands northward, whirring, wailing far above him. Master of life, he cried, desponding, must our lives depend on these things? On the next day of his fasting by the river's brink he wandered, through the muscoday, the meadow, saw the wild rice, Manomani, saw the blueberry, Minaga, and the strawberry, Odamin, and the gooseberry, Shabomin, and the grapevine, the Bemagut, trailing o'er the alder branches, filling all the air with fragrance. Master of life, he cried, desponding, must our lives depend on these things? On the third day of his fasting by the lake he sat and pondered, by the still, transparent water, saw the sturgeon, Nama, leaping, scattering drops like beads of wampum, saw the yellow perch, the Sawa, like a sunbeam in the water, saw the pike, the Masconaza, and the herring, Okahawis, and the Shogashi, the crawfish. Master of life, he cried, desponding, must our lives depend on these things? On the fourth day of his fasting, in his lodge he lay exhausted, from his couch of leaves and branches gazing with half-open eyelids, full of shadowy dreams and visions, on the dizzy swimming landscape, on the gleaming of the water, on the splendor of the sunset. And he saw a youth approaching, dressed in garments green and yellow, coming through the purple twilight, through the splendor of the sunset. Plumes of green bent o'er his forehead and his hair was soft and golden. Standing at the open doorway, long he looked at Hiawatha, looked with pity and compassion on his wasted form and features, and, in accents like the sighing of the south wind in the treetops, said he, O oh, my Hiawatha, all your prayers are heard in heaven, for you pray not like the others, not for greater skill in hunting, not for greater craft in fishing, not for triumph in the battle, nor renown among the warriors, but for profit of the people, for advantage of the nations. From the master of life descending, I, the friend of man, Mandamin, come to warn you and instruct you, how by struggle and by labor you shall gain what you have prayed for. Rise up from your bed of branches, rise, O youth, and wrestle with me. 
Faint with famine, Hiawatha started from his bed of branches, from the twilight of his wigwam forth into the flush of sunset, came and wrestled with Mondamin. At his touch he felt new courage, throbbing in his brain and bosom, felt new life and hope and vigor run through every nerve and fiber. So they wrestled there together in the glory of the sunset, and the more they strove and struggled, stronger still grew Hiawatha till the darkness fell around them, and the heron, the Shushuga, from her nest among the pine trees, gave a cry of lamentation, gave a scream of pain and famine. "'Tis enough,' then said Mondamin, smiling upon Hiawatha. "'But to-morrow, when the sun sets, I will come again to try you.' And he vanished, and was seen not. Whether sinking as the rain sinks, whether rising as the mists rise, Hiawatha saw not, knew not only saw that he had vanished, leaving him alone and fainting, with the misty lake below him and the reeling stars above him. On the morrow and the next day, when the sun through heaven descending, like a red and burning cinder from the hearth of the great spirit, fell into the western waters, came Mundaman for the trial, for the strife with Hiawatha, came as silent as the dew comes from the empty air appearing, into empty air returning, taking shape when earth it touches, but invisible to all men in its coming and its going. Thrice they wrestled there together in the glory of the sunset, till the darkness fell around them, till the heron, the Shushuga, from her nest among the pine trees, uttered her loud cry of famine, and Mundaman paused to listen. Tall and beautiful he stood there, in his garments green and yellow. To and fro his plumes above him waved and nodded with his breathing, and the sweat of the encounter stood like drops of dew upon him. And he cried, O Hiawatha, bravely have you wrestled with me, thrice have wrestled stoutly with me, and the master of life who sees us, he will give you the triumph. Then he smiled and said, Tomorrow is the last day of your conflict, is the last day of your fasting. You will conquer and overcome me. Make a bed for me to lie in, where the rain may fall upon me, where the sun may come and warm me. Strip these garments, green and yellow. Strip this nodding plumage from me. Lay me in the earth, and make it soft and loose and light above me. Let no hand disturb my slumber. Let no weed nor worm molest me. Let not Kagagi the raven come to haunt me and molest me. Only come yourself to watch me till I wake and start and quicken, till I leap into the sunshine. And thus saying he departed, peacefully slept Hiawatha. But he heard the Wawana Isa, heard the Whippoorwill complaining, perched upon his lonely wigwam, heard the rushing Sibowisha, heard the rivulet rippling near him, talking to the darksome forest, heard the sighing of the branches as they lifted and subsided at the passing of the night wind, heard them as one hears in slumber far-off murmurs, dreamy whispers. Peacefully slept Hiawatha. On the morrow came Nokomis, on the seventh day of his fasting, came with food for Hiawatha, came imploring, and bewailing, lest his hunger should o'ercome him, lest his fasting should be fatal. But he tasted not, and touched not, only said to her, Nokomis, 
Wait until the sun is setting, till the darkness falls around us, till the heron, the shushuga, crying from the desolate marshes, tells us that the day is ended. Homeward weeping went Nokomis, sorrowing for her Hiawatha, fearing lest his strength should fail him, lest his fasting should be fatal. He, meanwhile, sat weary waiting for the coming of Mundaman, till the shadows, pointing eastward, lengthened over field and forest, till the sun dropped from the heaven, floating on the waters westward, as a red leaf in the autumn falls and floats upon the water, falls and sinks into its bosom. And behold, the young Mundaman, with his soft and shining tresses, with his garments green and yellow, with his long and glossy plumage, stood and beckoned at the doorway, and as one in slumber walking, pale and haggard, but undaunted, from the wigwam Hiawatha came and wrestled with Mundaman. Round about him spun the landscape, sky and forest reeled together, and his strong heart leaped within him, as the sturgeon leaps and struggles in a net to break its meshes. Like a ring of fire around him blazed and flared the red horizon, and a hundred suns seemed looking at the combat of the wrestlers. Suddenly upon the greensward all alone stood Hiawatha, panting with his wild exertion, palpitating with the struggle. And before him breathless, lifeless, lay the youth, with hair disheveled, plumage torn, and garments tattered. Dead he lay there in the sunset, and victorious Hiawatha made the grave as he commanded, stripped the garments from Mondamin, stripped his tattered plumage from him, laid him in the earth, and made it soft and loose and light above him, and the heron, the Shushuga, from the melancholy moorlands gave a cry of lamentation, gave a cry of pain and anguish. Homeward then went Hiawatha to the lodge of old Nokomis, and the seven days of his fasting were accomplished and completed. But the place was not forgotten where he wrestled with Mundaman, nor forgotten nor neglected was the grave where lay Mundaman, sleeping in the rain and sunshine where his scattered plumes and garments faded in the rain and sunshine. Day by day did Hiawatha go to wait and watch beside it, kept the dark mold soft above it, kept it clean from weeds and insects, drove away with scoffs and shoutings, Kagagi the king of ravens, till at length a small green feather from the earth shot slowly upward, then another and another. And before the summer ended stood the maize in all its beauty, with its shining robes about it, and its long, soft, yellow tresses. And in rapture Hiawatha cried aloud, It is Mundaman! Yes, the friend of man, Mundaman! Then he called to old Nokomis, and Iagu, the great boaster, showed them where the maize was growing, told them of his wondrous vision, of his wrestling and his triumph of this new gift to the nations, which should be their food forever. And still later, when the autumn changed the long green leaves to yellow, and the soft and juicy kernels grew like wampum, hard and yellow, then the ripened ears he gathered, stripped the withered husks from off them, as he once had stripped the wrestler, gave the first feast of Mundaman, and made known unto the people this new gift of the Great Spirit. Tis the gift to be simple, 
Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.